0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Ireland-based executive producer and jazz radio host Dermot Rogers. We caught up with him about his efforts to release the 2023 CD Some Other Blues from Two Accomplished, legendary Irish jazz musicians and guitarist Lewis Stewart and pianist Noel Callahan. This previously unreleased material is regarded as the holy grail of Irish jazz, as it's the only known studio recording of both Lewis and Noel. We get into this album, new projects, and so much more. Enjoy this interview.
1: Hi Dermot, how are you
2: doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm wonderful. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Where are you located? I'm in Dublin. Come oh, wonderful. I what love it. You? What about I'm, you?
1: I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Very good. Good, good jazz history there. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I interviewed somebody earlier this week in Ireland and my dad was full-blooded Italian, but on my other side, I'm about 20, 30% Irish. So. Okay. I, okay. It, it, it gets around pretty well, the Irish blood, huh?
2: Well, they say that, uh, that there's Irish genes or Irish heritage in something like 80 million of the US population which is what 3 300, 320 or something yeah so uh, i don't know to what degree that's true but it's, yeah i mean it's a uh, yeah a lot of people left here in the 19th century and the early 20th century for yeah. you know for, for economic reasons by and large you know so that's where they and of course they had big families big catholic families i'm sure uh-huh. the italians were the same
1: yeah absolutely yeah it spread pretty well for sure
2: so what what, what part of ireland is there is your irish roots roots from
1: i did that 23 in me and i have to check what it was i didn't i didn't needle in too much specifically um yeah i might have to add that as an addendum
2: yeah well you might have to come and do some research
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely i would love to love to have a pint over there for sure um Man, it's great to meet you. This is a wonderful project, uh, that I, that I'm looking forward to getting into. So, you know, some other blues is a celebration of accomplished, you know, Irish jazz musicians. And I want to talk about this recording, but before we get to that point, talk to me a little bit about the Irish music scene, jazz specifically.
2: Okay. Well, uh, I like jazz everywhere, it's, it's relatively small, right? Uh, you know so the big stadium fillers in ireland are the same as they are in the states or in other parts of europe but the jazz scene in ireland is is currently very healthy and um, you know i mean i could go out and see jazz live jazz of oh, high quality probably seven days a week uh-huh. and uh and that hasn't always been the case i mean i've been going to jazz gigs and buying albums and whatever for 40 years or more and um you know, it seems to have bounced back post COVID quite well, you know, a bit of a slow start. Um, but, and also most of the musicians that, that I know, uh, are, you know, they, they, they seem to be making a living through a combination of playing, of playing jazz, then playing anything at all. And, and also teaching, you know, so some of them. Be, you know, and again, the same as everywhere else in the world, because there's now college programs. There's post-grad and undergrad college programs where you can go and study jazz and improvise music. There are, um, you know, uh, lecturing and, and professorship, et cetera, et cetera uh, opportunities. But I think overall, there's more, there's more live gigs on than there would have been certainly before COVID. And as best as I can remember, um, at least it's as healthy as it ever was in the 30 or 40 years that i've been i've been interested in. um which is good um you know but it's got a lot of competition i mean there's traditional and folk music which is big in ireland you know pop and rock of all forms is is very popular classical is very popular so jazz is probably still in the five percent popularity yeah. category i would say as it is everywhere as far as i can make
1: it yeah it certainly is. Well, let's dig in before we get into some other blues with Lewis and Noel. I want to know a little bit about you and your background. What's your involvement with this project?
2: So, so I am I am the executive producer, uh, coordinator, at marketeer. Like I am the part-time one-man record company that's behind this release and the other release that we put out earlier this year, which was a solo record by by Lewis Stewart. Background to it is, uh, I am a, a amateur radio presenter. I do present a weekly eclectic uh, radio show on what on Dublin City FM, which is kind of similar in ethos and approach to NPR, uh, in that it's non commercials kind of special interest. I'm doing that for about twenty years, and professionally. Mainly, I've worked in IT and digital media, but it's through the digital media part that I understood the process uh, of digitization and understood a lot of the the players in terms of, you know, who to go to for artwork and who to go to for duplication, et cetera, et cetera. And because I'm a music fan, I'm involved, uh, I'm also on the board of a local um, jazz-focused organization called the Improvised Music Company, so I knew a lot of the community, Uh, so... But the, maybe if I tell you about the genesis of the project, it'll kind of put it all into perspective. So, uh, Louis Stewart's best album, in my view and a lot of other people's views, is a solo album called, called Out on a Own." And during COVID, while I safe distance walking with a friend of mine, I was talking about the album and saying, I, I, I'm playing this a lot on the radio show, and it's it's a tragedy that it's not available. It just wasn't in stock. The reason it wasn't in stock was that the guy who set up this, the record label, a guy called Gerald Davis, had died fifteen years previously. Louis Stewart had died seven years previously, and the stock had just fizzled out. So he said, "Why don't you find out where the masters are?" At which I scoffed and you know said, "You know, use some expletive," and said, "You know, that's not going to happen." Anyway, a few months later, because in lockdown you got plenty of time to think about things, uh, I started making some uh, inquiries, did a little bit of research, and found out that. This guy, Gerald w- Davis's wife, was still alive. And I, you know, sensitively mailed her and asked her, would she by any chance know where the masters were and who had the rights? Next time I'm talking to her son who lives in New Zealand. And a few weeks later, uh, having got endorsement for the idea of, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? Uh, I'm putting crate loads of analog tapes into the boot of my car and where they've sat in a lockup for 15 years and we we catalog those and it looks like there's more than we expected and then we sample digitized two sets of tapes one is out on its own and the other is some other blues which didn't have a name at the time it was unreleased unknown recording Uh, and then we realized we have the masters they digitize well so the only thing that's stopping us now is you know a small budget some artwork, some sleeve notes, you know, but, you know, it's all very doable from this point on. Yeah. So, and, um, and because like Louis Stewart's stature in the Irish jazz world is the equivalent of Miles Davis or Louis Armstrong in the global jazz world, right? He, he was referred to as Louis, right? Everybody knew who he was and he still is to this day, the kind of towering figure in terms of his achievements and his ability and his influence on the whole community. So, so that meant that I got a lot of support from people who liked the idea, were willing to help, um, could tell me anecdotes or put me in touch with somebody or whatever. So I got the best guys to do the mastering and the best guys to do the artwork, et cetera, et cetera. I got the jazz correspondent, the Irish Times to, to do the sleeve notes for the first album. So. That's the background to it, and uh, and then the response to that was, and that that was a big question: Does anybody care? You know, like the jazz community is small. A lot of people might have this album on vinyl, etc. So the big question was: Did anybody care about a re-release of a nearly fifty-year-old album from a dead musician? And the answer was yes, they did. <laughs> so we got tremendous press locally. You know, the Irish Times that have full page feature on it. and uh, we were on the national radio we got international press uh, and we sold the album mainly in the british isles and in the u.s but also uh, across europe and into parts of asia and australia so uh, that was great momentum so all of us have this
1: flashpoint that pulls us into the jazz world the the album, the moment, the live performance, what was it for you? What pulled you in? Because you're obviously a driving force, you love jazz. How did it begin? So, I would say
2: the catalyst was David Sanborn's playing on David Bowie's Young Americans album. Cool. That was probably it. Because, I, I mean, I, 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 I'd gone through all the previous albums, but I remember listening to that Lowe's and going, you know what? It's not just... The arrangements, or it's not just the image or the kind of pop icon thing of Bowie itself. Those solos were really catching my attention. So at the time there was a, a municipal record library in this city and you could walk in and borrow two or three albums at a time. So I made my way down there and started just going through saxophone players. <laughs> and, you know, luckily got started on Sonny Stitt and Charlie Parker pretty quickly. And, you know, so once I began to hear Bebop and kind of soulful playing. And uh, it just became very exciting to me. And I just wanted to hear the next one and the next one. It was kind of like you, you, you tasted one type of food and you wanted to taste a lot more of that food from that, from that source. And at the time, the jazz scene was quite active here. Uh, you know, there was local bands. There was some good musicians coming through. Uh, they were bringing in people from, you know, uh, summer camps and Banff and Berkeley and places like that. So you know, you get to see Louis Stewart one week, and then you get to see Sunny Fortune the next week, and you know, Bobby Shew or whoever. So it was just there was plenty of uh, fuel for the for for my interest. So um, so that was it. I was hooked. You know, yeah. Uh, and I like I came from a from that background, but also from soul and blues. And um, my first record was a Jim Crochet record, which probably had a kind of a jazzy, bluesy, puppy thing about it, you know. So I guess it was always there, you know. Yeah. And, and, and when I think about it, Irish TV in the sixties consisted of homemade programs to, to, which to my mind weren't very interesting, but a lot of imported American TVs, so American cartoons, American. Uh, series, you know, so whether it's Y50 or Ironside or whatever. And what's the soundtrack to all of those, mo- all of those TV shows and all of those movies? It's essentially, you know, LA session musicians. For, and it's you know, to, from that period, a lot of it is from a kind of a jazz background. Yeah. So, so I think it was just embedded from being a kid. Uh, yeah. And then when I got the opportunity to explore it more and listen to it and see it live, it was like, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. So with some other blues, we're talking
1: about this combination of Lewis and Noel. What's so special about it? What do you, like you, you talked about Lewis being kind of the Miles Davis. And obviously we all know the power of miles and what he did with his bands and the great quartets and all of those things. But what is it about these cats that was so special chemistry wise and sonically that makes it something that you sought after to make sure that people listen to
2: it? So, so first of all, so, so Noel was known as as a player, but he he taken a full time job with the with the national TV station. So he was involved in arranging and conducting, and and a lot of the time arranging and conducting stuff that wasn't really that interesting, kind of schmaltzy game show stuff and whatever. He did a lot of Eurovision. I don't even know about you know, the Eurovision Song Contest, but did a lot of that stuff. But he had given Louis Stewart his first professional gig, probably in jazz. Uh, in the early 60s and it 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 was known that he was great piano player when it turned out that i had these masters and i was speaking to some of the kind of more senior guys in the in the jazz community they were like oh my god this has got to be solid gold noel was a brilliant piano player but he didn't play very much and we didn't know about this recording and it's from 1977 which is just a few months after louis solo record and he was at his peak so their conclusion was it has to be really good. So uh, so that one, there was a big driver. But what really was special about it was that um, Noel was kind of known as a Bill Evans influence. Bill Evans, let's say, plus Oscar Peterson would probably be the major drivers. And uh, Louis was a big Bill Evans uh, fan. And uh, people were intrigued to hear what it was like. And when he heard how they both kind of went toe-to-toe as performing and improvising peers, there was a kind of a... You know, sometimes you go to a gig and there's a spark in the room. There was a spark in the room in that recording. The big question, Mark, was why had it never been released, you know? And there was just some theories, one of which was the guy who did the mastering said that that piano is a little bit tired. You know, it's not it's not like a top-notch piano, so maybe that was the reason... But anyway, um, it's just when we heard it um, and when it was remastered, we realised that this was, regardless of the history, this was a really, really good album. And piano, guitar, duets are not very common. And certainly uh, there was no other Noel recording of Louis Stewart with Noel Keelan. Uh, also, what was interesting was that Noel was widely revered within the jazz world because in Ireland because he was very generous with his time helped a lot of people understand theory and arrangement. And uh, he helped some of them with with composition kind of guidelines. So that, that that's really what was special about it was this this should be released and it hasn't been released and it's from Louis's kind of golden period. So that was the reason.
1: You know, it what's astonishing to me and a lot of these stories have been coming out in this more modern era of media of like independent journalists finding things and reporting on it. There has to be so many recordings like this that have just never seen the light of day. There are.
2: Like I have, like with Louie alone, so we've released two. There's another 10 to 12 albums we could release, some of which were previously released, uh, but some of them are not released. And since this project, um, two people have given me Large archives of amateur recordings, all live recordings of the same guys from the same period. So, so there is stuff out there in in shoeboxes, in cardboard boxes, in attics and under beds. Um, and I guess even though the the ability to play them when you first get them, because the the players are hard to get, like a, a an analog real to real player is a difficult thing to find these days. Yeah. working good good working in order. But the ability to digitize and uh, use digital tools to enhance uh, or to remaster, and with live stuff, there's a lot of enhancement. You need to take out a lot of kind of, uh, let's call it ancillary sound. But the technology is there to do it, and it's not expensive. Yeah. Um, So, and and there is an appetite for it. So I think if the quality is good and uh, the source material is good, it just takes somebody like me who's willing to put in the hours and not not get paid for it, uh, but just do it out of, you know, kind of labor of love. Because the end results are very satisfying. You know? But
1: isn't that the whole row with jazz, though? I mean, a lot of us, including me, we do this because we love it. It's not some kind of thing where there's a monetary yeah. pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's really about sonically, culturally and just overall giving people that feeling of something that we love, which is jazz music.
2: Yeah. yeah, everybody likes to hear an album, a really good album that they've never heard before. Um. So with the response to the first Louis release, we knew there was an appetite, there was an audience. And uh, and we also knew that with the Noel Healan album, there would be an audience as well. Uh, I didn't expect it to be as critically well received because in my mind it was a four star, whereas the other one was a five, star, you know, that kind of, you know, and I guess anybody who does anything creatively, they're always going to be self deprecating and self critical to, to, a, to some degree. But, um, but you're right. It's, it, it should be out there. It should be out there. And I, I in, in another interview I did a couple of months ago, I was challenged about, you know is the kind of legacy reissue thing a good thing for contemporary musicians or does it distract attention from their from them and their work which is a very valid point but my point really was that you know if you're going to if you, if you have a recording and you can put it out it's got more value than just having a recording and sticking it on the internet or you know you know and and what does that do so it definitely has raised the profile of Louis Stewart and in this case, Mel Keelan outside of Ireland. Two is it's raised the profile of Irish jazz and, and the, the market for, for jazz in Ireland. And Ireland's about the size of Missouri, approximately in, in terms of scale, population, whatever. And um, so, and as the Irish Times journalist said to me uh, months ago, he said, every Irish jazz musician has got 500 of their own CDs under their bed, right? so the other point of it is which i really feel very strongly about is that if you're going to do the recording you got to put it out there but you got to put it out there really well you also have to do the legwork or get somebody to do the legwork to raise the profile of that recording or else there was no point in doing it at all so again this this project from my perspective has proven that if you do those things you can get attention and you can get radio play and get press reviews. And, um so if Louis or Mel Keelan were still alive today, I think people would want to book them, you know? So, yeah, so that, that's, that's another reason to do it. You know, you know, there's so many
1: semantics that go into this, but the bottom line is, is that it's, it's put out there for people to listen to it. So my question to you is for those that get this album, what do you hope they get from it?
2: well I hope they get a, the same sense that I get and that is a tingle of excitement and in some places amazement um I mean what do I like when I listen to a jazz recording what do I look for so I look for uh I look for excellence I look for sounds I haven't heard before I look for a good uh sonic experience i it's been produced well uh, I look for humor I look for like where do they fit in in that kind of great um you know, stream of artists from the very earliest recordings to, to today. You know, who are they citing? Who are they quoting? You're trying to figure out well, was it Bill Evans? Was it Tal Farrell? Was it who, you know, what, what, what drove the selection? It's, it's really what I'm looking for is high level of engagement. Um, but the, the, the overwhelming feedback so far in this album is that people didn't realize that Noel could play at that level, you know. They'd seen him as an older guy doing, you know, sideman gigs for for visiting players occasionally, but they'd never seen him, you know, at that time playing that way. Noel also released a a well known quintet album, which was much more, um, much more uh, mellow, saxon and flugelhorn and and piano bass and drums. So this was him kind of in a bebop and post bop and highly energized and spectacular playing at times and mode so so that's what you hope is that people are really engaged excited impressed and want to go back and get it again you know listen to it again so i think i think that the the spirit and the essence
1: of this is is a metaphor for jazz it's this eternal flame that just gets stronger and stronger as much as you've mentioned early on that there's a 5% share those that really love this music will find a way no matter what to keep it going.
2: They will. I'm always trying to uh, indoctrinate people who are either anti-jazz or on the fence about it. And, you know, there's a a friend of a friend of mine and he's, he's very blunt in his views about just about everything. But I was talking to him about this project you know, over the Christmas period. And he said, he said, I just don't like jazz. I don't like it. And I said, but that's like saying you don't like pop music or you don't like country music or you don't like film. I mean, it's like you're 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 just putting a negative taint on the entire. And I said, I bet you I could make you a playlist that would, one, you'd recognize some of them, and two, you'd actually might find yourself clicking your fingers or tapping yeah. your feet you to it. So there's there's that as well, you know. Like a lot of people who bought the first album bought it because I kind of um, sold it to them with such enthusiasm that they kind of went, "Oh, I like. yeah, I guess I should support the project a bit, and I'll buy a copy." That kind of stuff. And um, they, you know, lots of the time they came back and went, "This is amazing. This is really good. This isn't what I thought jazz was." I mean, to people who don't like jazz, they, the cliche is four guys playing different tunes at the same time. You know, right? So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm always trying to protect it and, and enhance it and get people interested and get them to go to go to live. Because when it's live, you know, 40, or 50 people in a small room, it's a it's a special
1: experience. You know? Absolutely. It is. So if anyone wants to pick up these albums, learn more about the project, learn more about what you're doing. How can they do that?
2: Uh, OliviaRecords.com is the website. They can buy it direct from there or they can go to Bandcamp uh, and they can buy it direct from there. And then contact me, of course, you know, Dermot at Olivia records.com. Simple as that. Uh, If they do searches now, which is very gratifying. If you do Google searches on Louis Stewart's and Noel Keelan, some other blues or or out out on his own, you'll find lots and lots and lots of reviews, you know, so. Right on. So so that's the thing to do. You know, check us out, check it out online. You don't have to believe just what I say. (laughs) Right. You know, the rest of the world, has embraced these two, two albums. And, and if you don't mind, can I plug a third one? So we're going to have a third release this year. Sure. So, uh, Jim Hall, uh, came to Ireland in, uh, December of 20, 1982. And, uh, Louis Stewart and Gerald Davis, the guy who originally set up this Olivia Records label that I've reactivated, um, they cajoled him into playing a gig. Uh, and we, we have got the, uh, we've got it remastered. And it's cool. going to be released in vinyl and on CD um, around November time. So,
1: Excellent. Dermot, yeah. thank you for taking time out today. Thanks for the work to keep this jazz going. It's always so great to go over the pond and talk to cats from the other side to just understand how much love there is around
0: the world for this music.
2: That's great, Joe. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening and
0: tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Ireland, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Dermot for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: on jazz.